Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Caleri. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Hi, Connected Parents. Um, I am so sorry. I have been um, taking a little bit of time this summer and just, you know, connecting to my kids and taking a little bit of time off and just slowing down a little bit. So I have been really not so great with the podcast. I apologize. And I'm going to get those going. Um, I'm, I'm aiming to do a weekly one because I know these are crazy, unprecedented times and parents are struggling, kids are struggling, and there's just so much going on. So I'm going to try really hard to make sure I do um, at least a weekly podcast for sure. Um, and I was also just checking, I did, hadn't really paid attention to this before, but I was checking uh, viewership and numbers and I was shocked to find how many people were listening to this podcast. So thank you, all of you. There's actually incredible numbers. So I really appreciate that. And people listening from 115 different countries. So thank you. Thank you for listening. And it really, um, it just inspires me and wants me to commit even more to, to helping everyone out and um, supporting you as we go through just some crazy, crazy times. Parenting was hard enough before you added all the stuff going on in the world right now. So I am committed to doing that for you. So I wanted to focus in this particular podcast on back to school. And I know that people are at different stages. Some children are already back at school. Some are going back in a week or so. Some have already been back for a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, because people are listening from all over the world, they're, uh, you know, umpteen different ways the kids are going back to school. So lots of kids are physically back in school with very few restrictions. Some are back in school, but wearing masks and social distancing and all kinds of um, uh, rules uh, to help the kids stay away from each other. Many kids are going back online exclusively. um, And some are going back in like a hybrid program where they're going to school some days and not others. So there's a lot of different um, things going on out there. So I, you know, I'll address that and I'll address ways to kind of speak to your kids. Um, around how they're feeling and how to manage the uncertainty that, that's happening right now. Um, but there is a lot going on. Um, I am finding in my practice, because I work with lots of parents and I work with lots of little ones and teenagers and young adults uh, every week, um, I'm hearing from them that there, there's certainly an increase in anxiety and a lot of kids who weren't really nervous about going back to school before, who never worried about going back to school, are feeling quite afraid, quite nervous of wearing masks and catching the virus and giving it to parents and grandparents and um, and also an increase in social anxiety, just having less, a little bit less confidence. They haven't been around as many kids in large groups for a while. So some kids are feeling really um, nervous about that and feeling like it's kind of daunting. Um, so that's, that's sort of another issue. Social anxiety is definitely on the rise a little bit. So we can address that uh, in this podcast as well. Um, So there's a lot going on. And then some kids are just, they're so tired of being home. They're so sick of not having structure and not seeing friends that they are just anxious to get back to the classroom. And that's great. So there's quite a few kids who are normally kind of miserable about going back to school who are really excited about it this year. So that's kind of good. So it really is a mixed bag. There's a lot happening. So what I thought I would talk about first is just kind of generally what you tend to see around a big transition like summer ending and going back to school. That's a big transition anyway, even if there weren't all these uh, big things happening in in the world and related to this virus. So 
um, that's a big shift anyway. So what typically happens is around two weeks before kids go back to school, and even when they're just starting school, you'll see an increase in you know, trouble sleeping, irritability, um, you'll see an increase in clinginess often, Sometimes you'll see some regression. They'll want to talk, you know, baby talk and go back and do things and talk about things they used to do when they were little. Sometimes kids go back and, and want to have more safety and go back to a safer time. Um, there's often a grieving and a mourning that, you know, it felt like summer wasn't going to end and, and now it's over. So you'll see some sadness, some weepiness. Um, and anxiety, you know, will show up like around clinginess and issues around separation and not taking any chances and not wanting to go out, um, but it can also go outward into prickly, bossy, sassy kind of behavior. That's mine and you can't do that and I never get my way. You'll sort of see an increase in that and that's often, and it looks like just kind of rotten behavior, but it, it's often anxiety and you'll usually see an increase in that um, in the last two weeks of August before school really gets going. So just expect that and, and with that, up the baby play. So if you're familiar with connected parenting, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, go back to one of the first or second uh, episodes where I talk about the connected parenting method and I talk about um, baby play and how important that is. It releases oxytocin. So that's literally when you're like rubbing noses with your child and you're tickling them and you're telling them stories about when they're a baby or you're bringing out the baby books and you're just really soothing them. And when you do that, you will give, um, give them a blast of oxytocin, which is a very powerful um, hormone slash neurotransmitter that actually blocks cortisol and increases emotional resilience. And it's just a really good thing. So I would up that, um, be doing that at least once a day, maybe for 10 or 15 minutes. If both mom and dad can do it, that would be great. If it's just mom or just dad, um, that's fine too. Um, but as many people doing it as possible, I think is, is really great. And that can certainly help. That's, that is literally a medicine that will just calm everyone down. Make sure to do that individually with your kids. Don't try to do that in uh, with them all together because they'll end up, hey, you're, it's my turn and you're paying more attention to her and you're ignoring me and it just gets kind of crazy. So make sure you're doing that one-on-one -on -one in kind of really special little moments um, and increasing that as we get closer to school actually starting or really getting into full swing. Um, I would also remind people to connect before correct. This one is huge. Just, just, you know, it's good to do it anyway, all the time, but really be mindful of it, um, in the time leading up to school. So before you ask them, remember they're just, they're just kind of raw. So before you say, Hey, you know, why would you put that there? Just say, Oh, you know, I get it. You're like having so much fun and you were playing with that and no wonder you want to think about it, but would you mind putting that over there? It's just taking a little moment first to, have a little bit of a connection, get the oxytocin going before you actually correct your child's behavior. That will also help a lot um, as they lead into school. I also recommend having some kind of ceremony. So, you know, maybe on Labor Day, um, you can have a backyard campfire or fake campfire, depending on where you live, um, and just have a little ceremony. Have some snacks or s'mores or whatever, have some music playing and have everyone talk about their favorite moments in the summer something that they learned, um, ways that they're different now than they were at the beginning, um, and maybe what their goals are. Do they have any goals, academic goals, social goals, and health goals going into the school year? Don't make it too heavy. Make it really light. Have some fun with it. Um, if you really want to, to do something fun and be kind of techie, you can make a little slideshow 
of just different summer moments and set it to some fun summer music. Um, that can be a really uh, nice highlight. But having ceremonies, children love ceremonies. They love to anchor themselves in things. They like to celebrate things. It gives them some closure. It really marks the end of summer and the beginning of a new year. Um, and it's, it's really helpful for us too, because often we are, we're also kind of mourning and grieving uh, summer ending and life getting a little busier and a little crazier. So it's just a lovely way to kind of um, mark things. If your kids are not in school already, then you want to start backing up bedtimes a little bit by 10 minutes, 15 minutes a night, just to get them back into a routine so they're not completely exhausted the first week of school. Um, in my experience, what I've found is the first two weeks of school usually go pretty well. It's what I call the honeymoon phase, so they're kind of excited to see their friends or at least be back into some kind of routine. They've got their new school supplies. <laughs> they're, it's a fresh start. They've got some energy. And then around the third week, fourth week, I call it the fall crash, it's like, oh, this is my life now. Summer's really gone. I really, this is it now. I've got homework. I've got this routine. I'm locked in. And you'll see a recurrence of some of the behaviors that I was talking about um, you know, that you're probably seeing now, you'll see a little bit of regression, a little irritability, increase in anxiety, that type of thing. Um, so those are some ways to just help kids ease into, um, into the new routine and into fall. Now, what's different about this year and what's different for everybody listening is, um, you know, some kids are online, some kids are going online and in school. Like it, it, there's just so many variations to what's going on out there. The one commonality, though, is that things are uncertain, things are different, things feel different, and children and teenagers, for sure, are very aware of uh, how not normal things actually are, that weird is the new normal, um, and they're struggling with that. So I'm definitely seeing kids who are um, really worried about social anxiety, scared about wearing masks, scared of germs, like all of these things are, are starting to really... Um, get to kids on a pretty grand scale and they're getting to us. I mean, I've talked to parents every day and people's own anxiety is so high. They're really struggling. Like lots of parents are literally just describing and kids too, that they open their eyes in the morning and there's that pit in your stomach, just that hollow, like, Oh, feeling of like, Oh my God. Um, so there, there are a few things that you can do to kind of help your children, but also help you. Remember that what we focus on and what we think about becomes our reality. So the more we are ruminating and stressing and watching scary news and having you know conversations about this and complaining about things, the more our midbrain doesn't understand um, that that's not what's actually happening in the moment right then. Those are things that are outside. They're happening in the future. Those are what if kind of statements. And if you're chronically thinking like that, you're going to have very elevated levels of cortisol and anxiety. So the trick is really, you know, to just observe yourself and catch yourself. Oh, I'm doing it again. Okay. You know what? I don't need to be so negative right now. I don't need to be thinking about all the things that can go wrong. Can I just take a moment and think about something neutral? Can I think about something positive? Can I think about a good memory? Can I interrupt this negative thinking somehow. And when we find ourselves doing this out loud, because we do do this out loud and our kids are listening and they're watching and they're getting scared while we're doing it, especially when we're like, God, I'm going to have to get here and there's no way I'm going to make it by this time. And but we're kind of doing that stuff. Our children are watching us. So as you're doing that out loud, catch yourself and say, you know what? 
I'm going to change my thinking right now. I get to do these things. I don't have to do these things. I, I get to drive my kids to school or I get to um, help you have a nice healthy breakfast. And it, I know it sounds so corny, but honestly, it, the, the midbrain is so sensitive to danger. It is in survival mode all of the time. So when you find ways to use that higher order thinking, to think on a grander scale, to just pull the lens back a little bit, to be able to talk to yourself and say, this isn't actually an emergency. It feels like an emergency, but it's not really an emergency. I'm not actually in danger right now. And you can catch yourself and model that for your kids. You know what? Listen to me. I'm talking like this whole day is going to be a disaster and I'm never going to get anywhere. And you know what? That's not really going to help me. I'm going to take it moment by moment. And I'm just going to take a minute and look into my beautiful child's eyes and then gaze into their eyes, get that beautiful oxytocin flow, put your hands on their cheeks, just have a moment and say, doesn't that feel better? Okay, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take a breath and this day is going to happen and I'm going to get through it and so are you. And it's just modeling for your children that you don't have to be in that, what I call earthquake mode all the time. And often our children, um, will start mimicking that. We'll sort of look at them and go, oh my gosh, that's me. They sound exactly like I do. Um, one of the other suggestions I'd like to kind of uh, put out there, and you can listen to other podcasts. I'm pretty sure I have a whole podcast on this, but I have something called Morning Windows, which is so effective. So I'm going to re review it anyway, just for, for, for everyone, even if you're familiar with the concept. And you can start that now, even if your kids aren't in school already. And what you do is you divide the morning up into four uh, 15 to 20 minute windows. And the windows open and the windows close. And if you're really creative, you can get like a double-sided construction paper and actually cut out little, little um, uh, what's the word? Little shutters that you can open and then inside it says get out of bed, eat your breakfast, whatever. And the kids can actually close them and open them themselves. So the first window is personal time. They get to lie in bed, you can snuggle them, they can get, get out of bed and play with their toys. I would not introduce screens, but they can do something. If it's a teenager, they can stay in bed for 15 or 20 minutes, and you're going to let them know when the personal window opens, and then they're going to come back two minutes before and let them know that it's closing. Don't bug them in between. And then the window closes and the new window opens, which is getting dressed, and the getting dressed brushing your teeth window is 20 minutes long. For littler kids, um, you know, you, you don't want to bug them in between. It's not like, what are you doing? You're still in bed. They've got 20 minutes to do whatever it is that they need to do. At the three minute mark before that window closes, you're going to come back in and you're going to say, hey, do you need some help? And, and if they're little, help them. <laughs> Just help them get their pants on. I promise you won't be doing that when they're 16. Um, and then the window closes and they move on to the next window. And that would be the breakfast window. And again, if they're poking away at their toast and taking forever to eat, you're not hovering over them going, come on, you've got to eat, let's go. It, there's just that frantic energy to the morning. They've got 20 minutes to eat. And if they eat all their toast at the la in the last three minutes, then that's fine. Um, you just It's just this way of like darting in and darting out so that there's a smoother energy to the morning. And they, little ones especially, will like opening and closing the window physically if you can make that little thing or you can just ring a bell or something, that's fine too or have little chimes or something that marks the time, but you're telling them three or four minutes before that that window is going to be closing and they have to think about what they need to do to get, get ready and get everything done that they need to get done in that window. The final window, which is the most important window, is the get out the door window or 
for people who are in homeschooling, getting ready to sit down at their desks and get settled and get ready to turn the computer on and join virtual class. So we think that that window, we sort of imagine that we're like, come on kids, let's go. And they're going to follow us out like little ducks. Um, it really doesn't work that way. And not really, not in any houses, really. I mean, we can have these rogue mornings that go remarkably well. And then you talk about it all day and think, well, can I repeat that? How did that happen? And they just, for some reason, spontaneously go well. But most of the time, it's like pushing a boulder uphill. So this window, you're leaving 20 minutes. So you're leaving time for sock fits. And I don't know where my favorite pencil is. And he took my this. And I want to wear my hair like that. And you've built in lots of time for that. So that you are either waiting at the door or ready to get them upstairs to their computers. Um, and you've already built in this time for all the kind of fluffing around. Kids are not fantastic with transitions. They just need these buffers, these windows to prepare themselves to settle, settle down and get, get onto the next window. Then what you're gonna do is if they get through all those windows and they've done all the things they need to do, you can use some kind of positive um, reward. They can get stickers, they can get popsicle sticks, they can earn what they pick for dinner. It doesn't have to be a toy, it doesn't have to be a thing. It can be they get to pick the movie on Saturday, whatever. Um, you can find some way, I, I do like to use incentives sometimes and you probably won't use it for more than two or three weeks. These things have a bit of a shelf life um, and then they get old, but it's usually just enough to um, set some good patterns and get some routines in place. So if they do all their windows and they get everything close, and, and maybe you wanna have most of it and they still get the positive, the positive reinforcement usually works very, very well. That's great. Um, and you can, if you want to use uh, negative reinforcement, I wouldn't make it too major. It would be something like, you know, if they wasted one of the windows and they wasted 20 minutes or 15 minutes, then they lose 15 minutes of um, tech time or something after school and, and they're like, I want to play on my iPad and you're, oh, you know what, I get it. I know you had a good day and you worked really hard and you love your game, but you blew your getting, you know, dressed window. So you owe me that time back. So um, in 15 minutes, you can have your time. So that, that usually works really well. And again, it's not punishment. It's just a natural, lovely way to show kids that there's consequences, stay very neutral. You can mirror, you can support them but be really consistent, say what you mean and mean what you say. So the morning window should help. And if kids aren't back at school already, um, you can put that in place. And if they are, you can you know, sit down, tell them a little bit about it, get them excited about it um, and start it whenever you wanna start it, that's fine. You can either start it on a Monday or start it midweek, whatever. Um, and it usually works really well. I've had really, really good feedback on that. And I think it's a great tool to get everyone started and get everyone organized with some really good routines, um, uh, you know, as school gets going. Um, you can also, I, I would also recommend with the backing up of the bedtimes, having a really predictable, solid bedtime routine too, leading up to school, that really helps. So I will do another podcast on, very shortly on um, kind of the transitions that are about to happen with school, the sort of crash point that happens to three or four weeks in when it all kind of um, starts to unravel a little bit. So I will help you all with that. Um, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate everyone being on here and um, I will look forward to doing this much more regularly with everyone. So happy back to school. I hope that it goes smoothly um, and that the routine is good for the kids and that everybody makes uh, the best transition that they can possibly make. And I will talk to you all soon. Hi, I'm Barrett Kaleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. 
And don't forget to check us out on the web at ConnectedParenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.